So I really love this time of year as a church family. You know, in January, in the new year is when a whole bunch of our ministries that took a little bit of a break over the Christmas holidays start up again. So it's just a great time to reconnect with one another through our life group ministry, through our fusion youth ministry, the, the, the things that we put in place to help people integrate into the life and family of our church here. So I really want to encourage you in this season, in 2021, as we're going to be starting a brand new series next week we're going to go through the gospel of Luke. I think going through one of the four gospels is such an important thing to do as followers of Jesus. It's a little bit of grounding. It's a little bit of getting back to basics of what it means to be a Christian in the world that we live in today. And I really believe the best way to, to, to get the most out of these sermon series is to get connected into a life group that's going through the study questions that we prepare, to be praying for one another, to encourage one another, to just be Jesus wherever God calls you to be living your life right now. Also, just a quick uh, uh, shout out, if you are new to Greenbelt and you would love to be more connected with us as a church family, we do this um, uh, program a couple of times a year called Invited to Grow. And what this is, it's an opportunity to get to know some people from the church, get to uh, chat with me directly, with some of our other leaders, and learn over three weeks uh, who we are as a church, kind of some of our core beliefs, how we're structured as a church, how we accomplish the mission and the vision that God has given us to live out our faith in the world. Um, and these are important things to know because you don't always get to learn these things just by attending you know, these online experiences or even in a life group. And this is particularly important for anyone who would like to become a full-fledged member of our church. And uh, maybe you're watching today and you don't even know what membership in a church means. Well, I'd love to answer that question for you. You can come to Invited to Grow and learn more about that. So the way you can sign up for it is you can just head on over to greenbelt.church and there you'll you'll see a link for our calendar and upcoming events and just let us know that you would like to participate for uh, the three weeks. It's the last week of January moving into the first couple of weeks of February. Great time to get to know more people from the church. Would love to have you join us for that. Uh, my life group started up again this week, and it was such a blessing just to get together with everybody and to just hear how their holidays were. It was definitely different than most of us uh, normally celebrate this time of year, and I just really appreciated my group's honesty and um, and just being real with one another, uh, of just kind of confessing and admitting to one another that it, it wasn't an, an ideal season. It, it was tough. And I've heard from so many people over the last couple of weeks on how this series that we've been doing in the book of Habakkuk has really been speaking to them. And I so appreciate feedback like that um, because it just helps me get a sense of where we are as a church and what God is doing in your life and what God is continuing to do through all of us as we live out our faith. And, and because this past year, it has been hard and it has been a challenge and it has been very difficult on a number of people. And kind of just diving into some biblical text that shows how God works in that, that shows that God is still with us, I think is so crucial. You know, and now, and, and 
I mean, just think of, you know, the week ahead and the things that are going on in the world right now. I've been praying like crazy for the church in the United States of America, for example, that they would be salt and light in the world right now and not be agents of division and hatred and, and violence and, and all these things that are going on. And we see war and, and earthquakes and floods and bad weather just happening all over the place. It's and the pandemic is still happening. We've even moved further into lockdown right now in so many parts of our own country here in Canada. It can be so discouraging, but God is still God. And for me, that's what the book of Habakkuk reminds me of personally. When I'm working in my basement, when I'm not seeing my loved ones, when I'm not able to have board game night and have my buddies come over and hang out and play a geeky Star Wars game, all the things that I'm longing to do when we're hurting, when we're struggling, when we're asking those hard questions, where are you, God? When we're asking these tough questions like, why do I have to wait on you, God? The book of Habakkuk is a great book to spend time in. Uh, and if you're new with us today and this is your first week joining us, don't worry. We save the best news. We save the good news till the end. So you're coming in at really the highlight of this very, very small book. Um, this is a, a, a small book in the Old Testament written by the, uh, by the prophet Habakkuk. Now, th- he was a, a prophet in the uh, nation of Judah who lived about 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And his um, ministry was a little different than the other prophets that you would read about in the Old Testament. Normally there would be a prophet, they would receive a word from God, and then they would bring that message to the people. Well, Habakkuk is a little bit different because the people were greatly suffering. You know, their enemies were rising up. Their enemies were attacking them. There was infighting and division in the nation of Israel, and it split into two different nations, two different kings and different fighting that was going on. And their enemies were gaining more and more power. The people were suffering more and more under this kind of this, these attacks and this weight of this evil empire around them. And and Habakkuk, instead of receiving a word from God, then to tell the people is the people are crying out to Habakkuk and Habakkuk brings their cries, brings their message to God. And then God responds to the prophet. Right. And we saw in week one that Habakkuk is really wrestling with the question of where are you, God? In week two, we talked about the whole idea of having to wait for God. And what was fascinating about, you know, what's fascinating about what goes on here in the book of Habakkuk when Habakkuk brings his complaint to God. You know, like, God, where are you? How come our enemies are taking over? Why is life so hard? Why are things things so bad? God responds, you know, with these words that I'm going to do something that is going to completely amaze you. Look at the nations and watch, it says in chapter 1, verse 5. And then God says, be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if you were told. Right, so Habakkuk is like, all right, God's going to do something. This is going to be amazing. We're going to see some victory. Our enemies are going to be defeated. Woo, praise the Lord. And God responds, I'm raising up the Babylonians. They're going to sweep across the whole earth and seize dwellings not their own. 
like God's response to Habakkuk in his crying out is not only is it bad right now, it's about to get a whole lot worse. That's God's woo, good news for the people. But then chapter 2 finishes off, in Habakkuk chapter 2, it finishes off with an amazing verse. This is one of, one of those verses that I call a fridge verse. It's one of those ones that we put on magnets that we hang on our fridge. It's one of these verses that we put as bumper stickers on our cars. It's one of those verses that we memorize, right? So even though the Babylonian Empire is going to gain even more power, they're going to destroy the city of Judah. They're going to take over. They're going to destroy the walls and just raid lands that are not their own. It's going to get a whole lot worse. Chapter 2 finishes with these words. But the Lord is in his holy temple Let all the earth be silent before him. And this is a reminder of regardless of the pain that you and I experience in life, regardless of the suffering, regardless of the loss, regardless of the pandemics, regardless of the lockdown, regardless of all the ways that we're crying out to God, God is still in his holy temple. And we will be still and silent before him. And then from that statement here in Habakkuk chapter 2, chapter 3 changes tone radically. It's not about complaint anymore. It's not about lamenting and crying out to God anymore. Right? Chapter 3 starts off, and we read here in chapter 3 verse 1, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. So it moves into the prophet's response to what God declares that God is going to do. And then it's got this really funny little word here at the end. Depending on your translation, it might be a little bit different, but here in my translation, it says here on Shigonoth. Shigonoth. Love these Hebrew words. See, and what's fascinating about this Hebrew word is um, it's only used twice in the entire Bible. This word is used twice. It's used here in Habakkuk chapter 3, and it's it's the plural form of the word that we see in Psalm chapter 7. And what this term is, it's instructions on how to sing this prayer. It's instructions on how to sing Psalm number 7. Right. And so all throughout the book of Psalms, you see these words, you know, that start off at the beginning of the psalm. You'll see like here, Psalm 7, it's a a shigagon of David. Okay, that's the same word. This is the singular version of the word here in the shigonoth here in Habakkuk chapter three. It's telling the people the heart attitude that they are to bring when they sing this song, when they recite this prayer. Now, there's a little bit of division on what that word means. Because it's only used twice, it's a little challenging for biblical interpreters to fully grasp what this word means, because the more a word is used, especially in a language like this that, you know, we tend to not use anymore, um, the more it's used, the more you can kind of parse together what the real meaning of the author's is when, you know, as we study this. 
But more and more biblical scholars are uh, stepping into the agreement that this is an incredibly important posture of praise. A very, very important posture of worship. See, because how you and I approach a song or a psalm, or a prayer based on its instruction is very, very different. Like, let's say, for example, I asked you to read Habakkuk chapter 3, and the instructions of that prayer is this prayer should be read um, like a love ballad. You know, like maybe like an 80s hairband love ballad type of song with some good guitar riffs or something like that. And just have kind of this rock ballad kind of sense to the song. I'm kind of dating myself in my favorite kind of music right now. Okay. Or or maybe if you go, okay, well, oh, no, this song, this should be sung with kind of like a hip hop rap kind of song. And I'm not even going to attempt to do that because my kids will mock me big time for doing that. Or if this song should be sung with a country western Western kind of twang to it. It changes the feel of it, depending on the instructions that we give people on how to sing it. Psalm number seven and Habakkuk number three, this Shiganoth, it's a the instruction as we approach this prayer, as we approach that psalm, is to use strong emotion. It's this idea of it's an impassioned exuberance, right? It's a wild, passionate singing with rapid changes of rhythm. It is high-spirited praise. It is vigorous, vigorous enthusiasm, okay? Habakkuk chapter 3, Psalm number 7 is not something that we approach like this. Um, Lord, I've heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in the day, and on our time make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Wrong approach. (laughs) That's not the heart of this prayer. This is vigorous, high-spirited praise. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Uh, Repeat them in our day. I got goosebumps just shouting this out. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, I don't know about you. But singing that way, or praying that way, or praising God with that kind of excitement, with that, you know, kind of high-spirited praise, is very easy to do when I'm getting everything that I want from God. (laughs) Is it just me? (laughs) It is so easy to be excited about our faith. It is so easy to be excited about God and the ways of God and the teaching of God when I'm getting everything that I want, when I'm healthy, when my, when I've got a good job, when there's extra money in the bank account, when my kids are listening to me, when my church is growing and people are accepting Christ, when the church is getting more and more people attending it, when I've got all my liberties and my freedoms and I can go wherever I want and do whatever I want. It's very easy to praise this way. And I think the reason why Habakkuk puts this reminder 
in this prayer for his audience, for his readers, for us, is because passionate praise is not natural when things are bad at all. And so we need the reminder that we are not passionate in our praise to God because of what we get. We're passionate in our praise for God for who God is. It has nothing to do with what you and I get. It has nothing to do with our rights and freedoms and liberties and blessings. But it has everything to do with who God is. Again, I've read this already, but look at these words again. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I may not be seeing it right now. You don't look very famous and very powerful right now, God. I've heard of it, and I still stand in awe of who you are, God. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And repeat them, these deeds from long ago that I've heard of. Repeat them again in our day, in our time. Make them known with the wrath that we're experiencing, with the hardship, with the pain. God, remember mercy. When we did week one of this series, Pastor Craig, who led us through the first week, he had a whiteboard and he drew kind of this, you know, hilltop and this valley and explained how when we're up on the hilltop, so easy to be on a spiritual high when we're on the hilltop and we praise with vigor, we praise with enthusiasm, we praise with and pray with passion. But the reminder is sometimes in the valley, sometimes in the valley is when God is doing even more. It's sometimes in the valley where God really shows up. So what I want us to do for the remainder of our time together is to look at the rest of chapter 3 and to see how you and I can truly praise God with this shiganoth, that we can praise God with strong emotion, with exuberance, with wild passion, with a change in our heart and our tone, with kind of this high-spirited praise and vigorous enthusiasm, regardless of the circumstance that you're in right now. Regardless, regardless of the circumstance that you and I find ourselves in today, in this moment, we look at these words We look at the teaching of Habakkuk to position our heart to praise God, not for what he gives us, but we praise God for who he is. We praise God for who he is. So when we find ourselves in that valley, how do we praise God that way? Because remember, the the people here, the message that they've just received is not only is it really bad now. So if you think of that hilltop in that valley diagram, not only does it feel really bad right now, it's going to get worse. <laughs> like the valley, you think you're in the valley now, the valley's going to go down some more, a couple more notches, right? And the response is high praise, vigorous praise, enthusiasm, right? So what do we do? How do we pray that way in the valley, right? So two things I want us to talk about today as we look at that. The first is we need to remember. We need to remember. 
Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3, continues in this praise prayer here, where it says, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Now, if you're not familiar with some of these uh, kind of words that are here, like uh, Taman and Paran, uh, these were two um, locations where God brought the people of Israel for refuge after delivering them from slavery in Egypt. When Moses came and went before Pharaoh, the king of the world, the most powerful army, the most powerful force on the planet at the time, and Moses went before him and said, let the people of God go. And God did miracle after miracle after miracle to see the people set free. While they were wandering in the wilderness, God brought them to places for refuge, for rest, for nourishment. And these are these two places. And then the psalm continues, talking about who God is. It says, His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. You see, Habakkuk is calling the people of God to remember who God is. Remember who God is. You see, the people of Israel have a very, very rich history with their relationship with God. Like as God's chosen people. And what that chosen people means, it's not that God loves them more than any other people in the world. It's that God chose them as his close nation, that through them, all the nations of the world were going to be blessed. Now, Every once in a while, the people would forget that, that they were actually called to be a blessing and hoarded the blessings of God for themselves. And then other times they completely forgot about the blessings of God and started following other gods. And God had to kind of send some prophets to bring them back. (laughs) But this chosen people in their close relationship with God is out of the blessing they are going to receive. They in turn would be a blessing for the entire world. And ultimately it's from those people that Jesus Christ himself would come. The Messiah, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world would come from these people to be the blessing for all the nations. Right. And so when we read about the history of Israel and the relationship that they had with God, we saw that miracle after miracle after miracle would come their way. Right. They would see, they would receive bread from heaven. Right. They've got food delivered from ravens. Water would come from rocks. Fire would pour down from heaven. God would cause the sun to stand still to prove his power. God would prevent lions from eating someone who's thrown into the lion den. When people were being punished by, by a king and they were thrown into a pit of fire, they did not burn because God himself was in the fire with them. God raised the dead. God brought life into dry bones. See, it is so crucial that when we find ourselves in a valley or we find ourselves slipping into a valley, what, when tough times come, Not if tough times come. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have many troubles. And none of us 
are exempt from that in this fallen, broken, lost, confused, hurting world. In this world, we will have many troubles, but we take heart because of who God is, that Jesus has overcome the world. You see, when we, we have to take time to remember the past, remember who God is, remember what God has done. And that's the moments, you know, when you're in those times of darkness, when you're in that time in the valley, when you're questioning, where are you, God, waiting on God, these things that we wrestle with, we remember who God is. I've done a lot of remembering (laughs) over the last few months. One of the things I just did, I can't remember if it was last week or it was the week before. Couldn't, couldn't have been the week before. I think that was Christmas vacation still. But we got together with the staff and we were just talking and, and talking about the ministry year ahead. And, you know, and we knew coming into January, like we're coming into more lockdowns. We're coming into stay at home orders that are happening right now. And, and this is kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a downer. It's quite, to be honest, a little bit depressing. Like we got together a few people physically in the building for Christmas Eve, which was so great to see people. You know, we were under the impression that this thing was starting to get under control and that, you know, that maybe in early in the new year, we'd see us go from red level COVID warning to to uh, yellow level, and as that continues to progress, then we would open up more in-person ministry. And now we found ourselves locked down, discouraged, shut down, everything back online again, stay home, don't go out, except for essential services. And and it can just feel so, oh. And I, we were talking about that as the staff, and I said, yeah, but remember what God did this year? Remember what God did while we were all working from home in our basement in our pajamas? <laughs> Remember what God did here at Church Online? Remember what God did in these Zoom calls, in these ESL Bible studies online, all these different things that we're doing? Remember what God did? God brought 78 people here in our city, here in our nation, and around the world, brought them to faith in Jesus through the ministry online, that we've seen people grow in their faith. We've seen people be incredibly generous. We've seen more people showing up online, showing up to youth groups, showing up into life groups, praying for each other, encouraging one another, being a blessing to each other in a situation that stinks, in a situation that was not fun, that was hard, that was difficult for so many of us. And so maybe we find ourselves stepping down a little bit and it's getting a little bit worse again. But we need to remember. Remember who God is. That God is not quiet. God is not far. God is not um, ignoring us. That he is on his throne. That he is still king of all. And that he is still working in the world. One of my absolute favorite worship songs is a song called Do It Again. It's one of those songs, depending on where my heart is at when I'm singing it, can really choke me up, can really get me ugly crying. And and the lyrics of this song is just such a powerful way to remember God. Right Where the words of the song say, I've seen you move, come move this mountain. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You've made a way when there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it 
again. That is this prayer of Habakkuk. Lord, I have heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds. I've seen you move the mountain before. And a lot of the times when the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about mountains, it's talking about big, huge problems that we feel like we could never overcome. And the reason why you and I cannot overcome it is because you and I can't. It's too big. It is too massive. There is nothing we can do about this problem. But God, but God, I have seen you move mountains before. I have seen you deal with things that are so big. I have seen you, God, step into someone's life who I never would have guessed in a million years would ever put their faith in you. And you did it. God, I have seen you before heal someone who was so sick. God, I have seen you restore a marriage that I gave up on months earlier, that I stopped praying for because there was no way that couple was going to get out of that depth of their marriage struggles. And God, you healed that marriage. And God, you fixed that. And you, God, you did that. God, I've seen you do it before. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Crucial, not just on the mountaintop, to remember God and to praise God with exuberance, with vigor, with passion, even in the valley. I remember God. I remember. And then the second thing that I think is so crucial if we want to be able to worship and pray and praise the Lord the way that Habakkuk's prayer is calling us to, is we actually need to just embrace. We need to embrace the situation that we're in. See, look at how it continues here in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse uh, 16, where it says, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Right, this is Habakkuk heard the response of God that the Babylonians are going to come and it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get better. God promises it's going to get better, but he promises it's going to get a lot worse first. Right, and I think that's exactly where we feel like we are right now in this pandemic. We were hoping it was going to be better by now and we just got some news that it's going to get a little bit worse. But we're so longing for when it's going to get better because we can see it coming. We see the the end game is coming. It's so close, right? And so we hear the bad news and our this decay creeps into our bones and our legs tremble. I can't believe this is going to get worse. And Habakkuk continues. He says, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. This is a crazy, crazy passage when you read it with that Shiganoth (laughs) instruction on top of it, that passion, that praise, that enthusiasm. He's saying, I can see the bad days coming. 
right? He's not being, it's not a superficial state of denial, right? It's not like Habakkuk is taking this position. Oh, praise the Lord. God is on his throne. God is always in control. And I'm just going to go, la, 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 la. I'm just going to ignore the bad stuff over there. No, it's not real. That's fake news. La, 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 la. That's not happening. That's not the position he's taking. He's not ignoring it. He's not pretending it's not real. He's not using kind of Christianese to just kind of say, oh, you know, Jesus will take care of it if you just have more faith, anything like that. He's saying, this stinks, and it's going to get worse. I don't like this. And he's reminded, right, when he says, I, I, so I will wait patiently for the calamity to come. It's like, this is going to get horrible. This is going to get so bad. People are going to die in this invasion. And, and then after the invasion, when the people are scattered and their, and their cities are destroyed and their walls are ruined and these armies come in and steal all their food, there's, there's going to be no food left for them to eat. No figs, no, no grapes, no olives, no, no sheep, nothing for them to eat. And then more people are going to die. Like this is bad news. But because of that shiganoth that's there, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my Savior. That man, what gets you there? (laughs) What gets you to that kind of position? I firmly believe what gets you to that kind of position is knowing the God who is instead of choosing to follow the God that we want. And what I mean by that is we actually have to spend time getting to know who God is, getting to know his character, getting to know his nature, getting to know his love, getting to know what he's done in the past, getting to understand exactly how he's been working in the world. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if I was God... I would have done things a little differently in the world. <laughs> you know, I remember this movie. I don't know if you remember it. It came out a number of years ago. It was starring uh, Jim Carrey. It was uh, Bruce Almighty. And uh, God, you know, it was kind of a comedy movie. And God gave Bruce, you know, Jim Carrey, all of his power. And he had the power to do anything he wanted because he was now, you know, had God's power. But the only thing he couldn't do was mess around with people's free will. And he was hearing all these prayers, like all these prayers coming to God from all over the world, from millions and millions of people are all coming to him. And he was just like, ah, I don't know how to handle this. So he gets in front of his computer. And I guess I related to this because I'm a total nerd. And what he did is he turned everybody's prayers into an email. And then he's sitting in front of his computer trying to answer all these prayers. And there's so many, they're coming in by the millions every second. And so he just sits there and goes, yes, 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 yes. And and I laugh. It's absolutely hilarious. And then you see the absolute calamity that happens all throughout the world because of God answering every single prayer. Yes. Well, so often that's how we approach God. That's how often so many people in the world approach God. If God was really good, well, the world wouldn't be the way it is right now. If God was really all-powerful, he would put an end to this suffering and this injustice in the world. Right? And so we kind of put our humanness, our human version of justice, our human version of love on who God is. But the problem is when we do that, we start actually breaking down who God is. Because 
even though we like to think we're just, even though we like to think we're fair, even though we like to think we're tolerant um, in our sin, um, none of us are. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> hate to be the bearer of bad news, but in our human flesh, in, in this human nature, none of us are righteous. None of us are fair. None of us are without kind of a bend towards certain things. I mean, just go drive in your car and see the things that make you mad when you see other drivers doing things that make you mad. But if you were to do the exact same things, you have a reason for doing it. You justify your own breaking of the law, but are quick to condemn another person. But we have to truly, truly know who God is. That is how we can embrace what is going on. You know, all throughout the last 10 months during this pandemic, I mean, honest, just to be really real, uh, there I, I have seen dozens and dozens of reasons to not rejoice. I've seen dozens of reasons of why I should just have a pity party. I don't feel like talking to God right now because God's not fair. I don't feel like, I don't feel like, and there's many, many reasons they go, Ugh, I'm not going to praise you, God. Right? But this Shiganoth, right? This isn't a half hearted prayer to God. This is a song. This is a prayer from the depth of my soul. That regardless of the circumstances around me, regardless of what I see, because I know who God truly is because I know him, because I've seen him work before, and because I know ultimately, like Habakkuk says, that you are the savior of my soul, that God deals with our sin. Because of who he is, I can worship this way. See, I can have faith that worships even when everything around me feels wrong. Right? I can have faith that believes even when there's no evidence around me to justify belief. Right? I can cry from my heart declaring praise to who God is. See, and what's incredibly powerful about praising that way, right? When you and I praise God with passion and vigor and enthusiasm in the valley, we're actually praising God before his provision. Like God does promise here in this book of Habakkuk that, yes, the Babylonians are going to be dealt with, that God's wrath is going to deal with them, that God is going to put them in their place, that they're not going to be able to get away with their evil deeds forever. But not yet. That's a, that's a day to come later on. That's in that waiting for God to do something. And even while I wait, I'm going to embrace the reality of the world that I'm in. And I will praise God before the provision. And I'm not just going to go, uh, kind of praise. I'm going to passionately praise God before the provision. I actually saw that 
in action uh, directly with a mentor of mine, uh, my former pastor from Montreal. He was a guy who really invested in me, uh, poured into me. He was the one who encouraged me to step out and to explore uh, the idea of going into full-time pastoral ministry. Uh, we would get together at five o'clock in the morning, a couple of times a week, and pray together. It was just an amazing. He was just an amazing man of God. I really loved this guy dearly, um, and his wife went through probably one of the worst cases of cancer that I've ever heard of. It was incredibly painful. It, the surgeries were incredible, incredibly painful, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse, and she eventually passed away from this, and it was just a horrid year for them going through that pain. And, and, I, and I remember... I, I was out living in southwestern Ontario. He had left Montreal, and he was uh, doing ministry out in southwestern Ontario as well. And we went to a conference together in California. We went to Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church, the author of The Purpose Driven Life. And we were at this worship night together. And the band is up there, and they were singing the Matt Redman song. Um, what is it? Uh, you give and take away. Right? You give and take away. You give and take away, but God, my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name, right? And every, and the band is up there, and they're all like, it's a hipster band. They got the big beards and then the cool shirts and the, the leather jackets, and they're up there, and they're playing, and there's all the light show, and, you know, and there's a whole bunch of kind of younger people there, and then and their hands are up, and they're all praying, and they got tears coming down their eyes. And my pastor, my mentor, is standing there like this with tears coming down his eyes because he's in the valley. He's in the valley. And all he could do in that moment was the tears started to flow and he put his hands up like this. And I watched him tremble as he lost his wife that year, as he went through this horrid, horrid experience. And he was showing me what it looked like when God takes away that he'll still worship. He'll still let his heart cry out to God because he's not forgotten who his God is, that he remembers that he's not saved by his works. He's not saved by his religion. He's not saved by being a good boy or being a good girl, that he was saved because of what Jesus did for him on the cross and that he was grateful for everything that God has done in his life, grateful for everything that God has done in the past. And we were sharing a hotel room and we got back to the hotel room like that. And he was angry and joyful at the same time, remembering God, embracing the current situation that he found himself in, knowing that God is going to do more, that God dealt with the mountain before and God will do it again. You see, so often we look at a bad situation that we find ourselves in and so often what happens is in the modern day Christian church today, when bad things happen, we walk away. We quit because we assume God is always supposed to give me everything that I want. That God is supposed to take care of every hardship and every problem that I have. And when he doesn't, I quit. I walk away. I've met far too many Christians that that has been their faith experience in the valley, right? And the reality is, is you, for so many of us, 
for so many of us, you will never experience a Habakkuk 3 kind of faith without going through Habakkuk chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's just the way sometimes faith works. We'll never get to this place where we can truly praise God for who he is. Like I love how this this prayer ends in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 19. It says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to tread on heights. This idea that God is raising me up, that I'm going to have a sure foundation. My feet, my footsteps are going to be firm because of who God is. And he is making me that way. But in order to live that out, to live out that kind of faith, that chapter three Habakkuk faith, we got to go through the wondering. We got to go through the waiting in order to get to the wonder of that kind of faith. Now, I don't know what 2020 has been for you. I don't even know what 2021 has been for you so far. But this is my prayer for our church. As we step into this new season, as we step into our next sermon series, as our life groups start opening up, as Fusion has started meeting this week, as we start reaching out to more people through church online, through our social media networks, and all the ways that we're trying to be a blessing to our community in this season. I'm praying for a faith where we are all in wonder of what God has done. I remember 2020. I've embraced it. I didn't try to belittle it. I didn't try to ignore it. And I see 2021. I'm going to remember what God did in 2020. And I'm going to embrace that 2021 might start off pretty difficult. But I am trusting for you. I'm trusting for me that we're going to be able to get through the one, uh, through the one, uh, the, the waiting. We're going to get through the, the kind of wishing God would do something. And then we're going to stand in absolute wonder of what God has done. And for some of you, that might start today. Maybe you've gone through the hurt and the pain and the loss. And you're wondering what the answer is to that. Is there hope? Is there hope in the dark? And I'm here to tell you today that yes, there is. But the hope is not in your circumstance. Your hope is not in what you get. Your hope is ultimately found in the person of Jesus. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man at the same time. He's the second part of the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in God's love, in God's mercy, in God's plan for to deal with the sin that you and I have that keeps us separated from God. God didn't want you to be religious. God didn't want you to keep rules and commandments and regulations and church traditions to please him. God is pleased by your faith in Jesus. That Jesus come, came to earth to take away the sin of the world, take away my sin, take away your sin. And we ultimately find our hope that we can be made right before a holy God who loves us because Jesus died for you. And even today, right where you are, whether you're here in our city of Ottawa or if you're around the world, no matter where you are right now, you can bring Jesus into your life by simply praying, God, forgive my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus in my life. 
Even though I walk in the darkest valley, I shall fear no evil because God, you're with me. So I give you my heart. I give you my life. And if you pray a prayer like that today, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity of God comes into your heart, makes you his dwelling place, makes you a temple of God. You don't need to go to some holy building, some special place to come into the presence of God. The presence of God is now with you today. And if you've done that today, I would love if you would click that pop-up that shows up in the chat and let us know that you've done that because we want to rejoice with you. We want to celebrate with you, and we would love to journey with you as you begin to grow in your newfound faith in Jesus. And for the rest of us who maybe we've done that in the last 10 months or maybe we've done that 10 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was, for so many of us, we have been in the valley We have been kind of wondering. We've been asking, God, where are you? We've been waiting for God. But now we're going to trust that God is going to do wondrous things because of the valley, not in spite of it, because we spent time in that valley that we can trust and embrace and remember God and we can praise him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And so as we close our worship service today with this one last song, I pray that you would right now take that position in your heart. Take this position of Shiganoth. (laughs) Of Shiganoth. Take that position of strong emotion, impassioned exuberance, wild, passionate singing with rapid changes of rhythm, high-spirited praise, vigorous enthusiasm. If you're in your pajamas at home, praise God. If you're in a three-piece suit at home, praise God. If you're in your car listening on a podcast, wherever you are, praise God that way because of who he is and what he has done by sending us Jesus for what he has done by sending his Holy Spirit in the world to empower us to live the life that he's called us to and that we will be in awe and in wonder of what he does. Let's worship him.
still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your